Amazing Avenue audio listeners. Whew, already. It's been a day. <laughs> Welcome to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 10. Um, I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined, as I am most weeks, by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So it um, since we recorded last, it was it was a happier Mets recording last time. This time it's not so great. Um, they dropped three out of four to the Dodgers. They dropped two out of three to the Diamondbacks, and they are in the process of losing to the Giants uh, in the Bumgarner Syndergaard matchup. Um, flashbacks. Don't want to talk about that. That's not something we're going to talk about. Um, it was mostly a very bad week for the bullpen. Uh, the bullpen imploded multiple times, um, but probably the most heart-wrenching one was when Edwin Diaz was given a three-run lead and gave up four runs, and the Dodgers walked it off. And I knew I muted Jared Kellenick's name on Twitter for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were the smart one. <laughs> yep. I was like, folks, for your mental health, very easy to do. You can mute any word you want on Twitter. I have Kellenic and Dunn muted on Twitter because I don't want to hear every time Diaz has a rare bad performance. I don't want to hear about how Jared Kellenic is Mike Trout. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what it is a. about those West Coast road trips, man. They are cursed. Ugh. Yeah, and it's sad because like I'm I'm one of the few people that I think looks forward to them. I think I'm like the only person that yes. likes. Yes, it. you're the only one. Yeah, I think so. Except for people who actually live on the West Coast. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. There there are plenty of Mets fans on the West Coast. I am an East Coast Mets fan, but I still like West Coast road trips because I am an extreme night owl. And so like 10 p.m. is like right when I'm like getting revved up. I'm like, that's like my prime time. So I really enjoy the late night games. I mean, I don't think I would want it all the time I just enjoy like every once in a while getting the nice 10 p.m game I can I can work out in the evening I can eat dinner I can like shower hang out with the dog and then the baseball game comes on it's very nice um but, but it's, you know like, so annoying because then like you get frustrated and then you're so mad you can't fall asleep like oh yeah that like... happened to me a lot last week oh <laughs> my and sleep then you're schedule doubly tired the next day that I know. happened to me a lot during the playoffs <laughs> also like when they were in LA for the playoffs in 2015 I definitely oh. those late night games I almost like I almost didn't make it it was it was yeah. not a pretty sight I yeah. was so sick yeah yeah that was that was not a fun time you know yeah it's of course, yeah. the best part of a West Coast road trip, if you're not a night owl, is that you can just have a random little wake up at like 2 a.m. Maybe you got to pee, whatever. You look over your phone and you learn that they blew a three run lead. <laughs> Diaz on the mound or other fun things. It's such a like, such a nice little, you know, little, little soup saw of interest to an otherwise boring night. I got well, to... to be fair to Diaz, the bullpen blew a five-run lead. It wasn't yes. just him. Like, it, it never should have even him. gotten to him. They had a yeah, five They're all bad. It's all yeah, bad. They're all bad. It's very bad. <laughs> I mean, the the small silver lining of all of this is that Seth Lugo is back now. Um, he had one. He's had one appearance since he's been back, and that was the one game the Mets won. <laughs> um, Coincidence? In the, in the Diamondback series. Um, and so... You know, he's back, and also McNeil has been activated, which seems like an unrelated thing, but it's kind of not, because the guys that were responsible for, chiefly responsible for one of the blow-ups were Daniel Zamora and Tyler Bachelor, and they are both gone now. <laughs> yeah. Bye! <laughs> so, you know, the bullpen is looking a little stronger in the absence of some of the, you know, up and down triple a guys that they've been employing uh out of the pen yeah there was the one game that basically zamora and bachelor were responsible for the there was a six run inning that the dodgers had this wasn't one of the games where they blew it really late in the game it was one of the games where they blew it kind of in the middle of the game that Um, was jacob Degrom's game yeah it was jacob Degrom's game that was he left with the lead i think 
yes. Yeah, he only pitched yeah, he five did. innings and he left with the lead. Yes, it was three to two when he left. And then and it, it was, was like six runs, 70 to inning. three at the end. Yeah. That um, was the inning that wouldn't end. Yes. So, yeah, yeah Zamora and Bachelor. Yeah. Zamora and Bachelor were responsible for that. Um, they're both gone now, but, you know, Jay Reese Familia and Robert Gizelman have not had good we- good weeks either, and they're they're here to stay. Um, I think that at least with the case of Gizelman, a lot of it is overwork, um, oh, which sure. should which should be solved in part by Lugo's return. Um, Gizelman gave up the two run homer to Adam Jones that tied the game um, in the game that the Diamondbacks walked off against the Mets. Um, and that was rough, but like he had been used three of the past four days and he was being used again. It's like, <sighs> wasn't it something crazy? Like, like nine of 11 or yeah. something, nine of 12, something like that. Yeah. And Diaz had a stretch like that too, before he imploded. It was like, well, he had been used every damn day. Well, that's what I love. They're like, oh, no, Diaz can't pitch the eighth. Oh, the horror. But, yeah, you can pitch him every day. That's fine. Like, <sighs> as long as well, it's a safe situation. They don't have a lot of great options. No. But they're also not taking any steps to rectify that situation. By, like, for example, going after Craig Kimbrell, who now will no longer cost a draft pick mm-hmm. because the draft mm-hmm. is over. Like, Yeah, people can stop clutching their damn pearls about the draft pick now. Yeah, it's it's just ridiculous because, like, I, I'm i not saying that Mickey Calloway is the best manager ever, but he sure has to wear it night after night when, arguably, he doesn't have any particularly good options out nope. there. Nope. Is I mean, Wilmer Font still here? Yes. I can't remember. Okay. It's Wilmer so hard Font, to keep track. <laughs> Wilmer Font's still in the bullpen, and uh, so is Hector Santiago. He's still here, too. Okay. Those wow. are kind of the two like fringy guys that are still here. I would argue. Although I, pay- I think Justin Wilson was throwing something today. Oh wow! He there was, was yeah. some he's alive on him. Yeah, he, he is, is alive. alive. That's about that. That I think is the update that he's alive. <laughs> That's the extent of it's the, the whole update. update. Justin um, Wilson parentheses alive alive <laughs> breathing. <laughs> Justin For Wilson now. parentheses For, let's, breathing. Let's, you know, let's be. Be prudent in that. He is breathing currently. Yeah. <laughs> no promises going forward. Yeah. Um, and Drew Gagnon's still in the bullpen too, but he's been, I mean, he didn't have he's a good week okay. either because no so, one did, but he's been yeah. like, he's been okay. He's been pretty good. Well, so is this karma because we were laughing at the Nationals bullpen? Maybe. Yeah. They signed Fernando Rodney. That's a They're thing still they worse. They yeah. are still worse. And it's same. still hilarious. I'm think- not going to give that up. Someone in Amazing Avenue Slack was like, why didn't we do that? I was like, honestly, Fernando mm-hmm. Rodney's not better than Drew Gagnon, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think that that's actually an improvement. Yeah, no, I'm already I'm like 20 I, years older. I'll eat crow if I have to on this, but like, I'm not, I'm not losing any sleep over Fernando Rodney going to the Nats. That's not like. Yeah, I'm not worried. Yeah, no. that's, that's not the problem here. Very like if Kimbrel went to the Nats, we're talking, but for yeah. Fernando Rodney, no. And again, like the refusal to sign Kimbrel, on the other hand, is, you know, becomes more and more frustrating by the day because mm-hmm. the Mets continue to look bad. But yet, unlike last year when they looked bad, they're not getting buried. They're not buried yet. They were four and a half games out as of start of play today. And the Phillies are scuffling themselves and dealing with a whole host of issues. Andrew McCutcheon's out for the year. Now they are starting Jay Bruce in left field every day. And Scott Kingery in center field every day. Oh, geez. They have issues. Like it's not, this division is, and we said this at the beginning of the season, you know, before all these injuries started happening. It's a winnable division. Before we knew the nationals bullpen was quite this bad. Like we said this at the beginning, it's a winnable division. And the Mets are just like, no, thank you. We're not interested. And what no. kills me is their offense was actually okay. They did hit Kershaw. They did hit Granky. They were winning those games. And then it was the damn bullpen that blew it. As it always is. As it yeah. always is. Like, how can you sit and watch that and be like, mm, I don't think we need Kimbrel. Yeah. No, mm. thanks. <laughs> I like, we like I, our I'll guys. I'll up on pitching here. I, I extremely like Tyler Bashler and Hector Santiago. Way Fire better. Fire wears elsewhere. <laughs> Incredibly talented. Yeah. Um, MLB players. 
Yeah, and they got really lucky with their role players filling in well while guys were hurt. And guys are starting to come back now. And, you know, in theory, the Mets should be set offensively once those guys come back. McNeil is back. Cano should be following soon, although they were, the Mets were very mysterious today about, like, they were basically like, we activated McNeil, not Cano, though. We're not going to tell you why that is. <laughs> He's fine. Everybody has been, like, ready for him to come back any second now, but not today because reasons. Yeah, reasons. Mickey even said, I think, like, Cano was closer to coming back than McNeil was. And it's like, oh, I guess. Which is not complaining about McNeil back. No, 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 no. We Boy, love howdy, is it good to see a major league bat out there. Yeah. In the leadoff spot. They needed him back in the leadoff spot desperately. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, Especially I say that as, behind him. as they have not currently scored any runs this evening, but but just the first just the first time back. We They'll will never hit Bomb Gardner. I yeah. don't care how washed he is, they're never gonna beat him. Yeah, yeah that's 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 forever. Yeah. That's a forever thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it just is it doesn't matter who's playing, it doesn't matter who's on the team, it doesn't matter how old he is, they just will never beat him. Um so I have a question for you guys with all these with all these guys coming back, you know, like Frazier is suddenly hitting really well. Dominic Smith has obviously now been shifted to the outfield and is continuing to hit well, even though he's getting like more and more plate appearances. He's keeping it up in a uh, more extensive role. Um, Danny Echevarria is continuing to hit. So what? how would you guys play this with the roster? We've obviously we've done the obvious things at this point. Um, when we activated McNeil, we dropped the extra pitcher, and Tyler Bachelor was very much on the bubble already because he had like two bad appearances in a row. We dropped down to seven arms again in the bullpen, so we can't drop any more of these bad pitchers. We need to keep some of them. So, <laughs> well, how would you guys play it? Like, what outfielders would you cut from this roster when Cano is activated? Like, what players would you guys cut? Altair. I would yeah, I think he's the the easy one. I, yeah. I mean, first of all, I I do part of me wonders if they're going to maybe hold off on Cano for an extra day or so to see if Dominic Smith is is more severely injured than they are saying right oh, now. And he says that has true. a thumb sprain. Yeah. And like that sounds maybe like nothing. I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of surprising that that he's just basically sitting and they're like, maybe he'll be able to pinch it. And it just doesn't like, is that surprising if one were dealing with your average major league baseball team, but obviously not. So, it's but so I think I Smith where could they end up being the odd man just because of injury. But um, I mean, ultimately you got to wonder if it's, if it's time to say goodbye to Lagaris. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, he's been awful. And I, I and now they're not even playing him anymore. Right, Gomez is playing instead of him. And you know, like we said last week, like the gap between Gomez and Lagaris defensively is not as big as you think. Lagaris is still the superior defender, but not by. I will also say Carlos Gomez is is not 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 going to cover off the ball anymore no right he's not the, not the, the national bullpen little, no the early showings have not held up but um yeah that's got cut either of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean point. i think i think alter is the obvious one just because you know he he was the waiver pickup anyway um yeah. and i find it highly unlikely that the mets will eat ligaris's money at this point um also true but yeah. you know they should consider it because <laughs> he's he's basically not giving you anything at this point. Like yeah, like Gomez has cooled off considerably, and I never thought he would continue to hit the way he was hitting. But when Gomez comes up to bat like as a pinch hitter, I at least feel like he has a chance to get a hit. Whereas like with Lagaris, I don't feel like he has a chance to get a hit. At no, all. <laughs> it's either a strikeout or a weak ground ball to the left side. That's it. Yep. Um. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, I have a feeling Ligaris is going to stick around just because he makes money. 
um, and Altair does not. Uh, so we'll see. But yeah, this Dominic Smith thing, I fear the typical Mets like, oh, he pinch hits tomorrow and then he aggravates it more and then we can't backdate his IL stint. That's going to be what yeah. happens. Like, oh, no, he really had a torn ligament the whole time. Our bad. <laughs> Whoops. All right. He'll be back next year. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, and we probably shouldn't ruin, like, you know, like, Dominic Smith is, like, Dominic Smith and Pete Alonso both doing well is, like, one of the only good things about this season. Can we not ruin it, please? That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be nice. So, um, two other agenda items um, to lighten the mood of the podcast, since we don't want to talk about the bullpen any longer than we have to. Um, we're, we're not going to do any actual draft analysis on this podcast, because that's not what this podcast is for, and I am very much nope. not a prospect expert. But luckily, we have another podcast um, run by a set of Amazing Avenue folks who are experts in this area who are fantastic that you should listen to called from complex to queens and they will be breaking down all of these mets draft picks for you they already did an episode on the mets first round draft pick um and they'll do more shows i'm sure about about the rest of the draft picks that they had um but i just did want to highlight what the first round uh pick brett Beatty said about joining the mets he said and i quote it makes me feel so great to know that David Wright had so much success and to know that maybe someday I might be like him. I love New York, the city, the atmosphere around it. It's just an awesome city, and I can't wait to get here. And I'm like, oh, I mean, all you have to do is bring up David Wright, and I already love you. Those are yep, the magic sold. words. Sold. <laughs> he seems very likable. He does. He seems very excited. He was happy. Like, I mean, who knows how long that's going to last, but welcome, Be- Beatty. Welcome, Brett Beatty. We yes, have decided to stand. <laughs> and also welcome to, this is why you should not listen to us for draft analysis, uh, the number, the round three guy who everyone was very excited about. And Alan. I saw some math that was very interesting, but. Yeah, yes. I mean, basically my like very basic knowledge and uneducated like knowledge about this is that. This was a guy kind of like Jack Leiter, who was another guy kind of in this situation who the Mets were connected to. Jack Leiter was unique because he like pretty much like was saying, like, I'm going to Vanderbilt, except for maybe if the Mets or the Yankees want to draft me. Um, But this is a similar type of player in the sense that he is a prep. He is a prep player and he, you know, has a commit to a college and is threatening to go to college unless he gets paid like quite a lot of money. So that's the only reason why he wasn't like a first round pick. Like he's like my understanding is he's a first round talent, but he wants a really high bonus. And so that's why teams were not signing him because they didn't have enough like bonus money, basically. Um, But the Mets drafted him in the third round and you know they're the Mets and they're pretty dumb in most of the stuff they do so I wouldn't be surprised if this comes back to slap them in the face and this guy doesn't sign with them because they can't offer him enough money and he just goes to college but in theory a smart team that was doing this would have their math worked out ahead of time where they could sign Brett Beatty their first round pick potentially under slot like under the amount of money that he would be expected to be paid and then the subsequent picks after round three after they drafted the this prep guy they would pick they have been picking like like seniors who basically like don't get these big bonuses be getting like like less like under slot and so they've been kind of scraping the pennies together from under the couch cushions to try to give you know this our Mets this dude his big bonus so we'll see what happens obviously we this all hasn't played out yet we don't know what Brett Beatty is going to ultimately sign for if he does sign we don't know what this um what this uh, third round pick Allen is going to sign for and what he will sign for. Um, All reports were saying the Mets were confident they were going to sign him. So Hmm. it never seemed like it was in doubt. (laughs) They can be confident enough. If if they don't sign him, they get an extra pick next year. Yeah. So it's not a, yeah. And it's a deeper draft next year from what I hear. Yeah. (laughs) They can be confident enough for the both of us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll see i mean i'm i'm sure you know like they like these people know what they're doing more than i do certainly so i hope yeah. that they have their shit together we'll see um but yeah no that's cool and like people who know a lot more about this stuff than me are really excited about it so 
you know, I'm pumped. And like Jeff uh, Padanastro, our good friend, um, said that he would immediately be like our best prospect. So I was like nope. pretty psyched about that. That um, is that is a a mixed. I think the implications of that are are not entirely positive. <laughs> I think it says yeah. I think it says just True. as much about the Mets system as it says about him. But still, <laughs> that's you know something to be excited about. Yes, it's better than being the worst prospect. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah, and you know. As much as I am a, still a staunch defender, and I may end up dying on this hill ultimately, as much as I am a, still a staunch defender of the um, Diaz-Cano trade, um, we do need to replenish our farm because mm-hmm. we did lose some significant talent in that trade. Um, whether you like the trade or not, you have to acknowledge that. And so if we have... And it a- wasn't a deep farm before the trade either. No. It was not. No. Um, and so well, if Anthony we can get... has been looking good this year. Yeah. Sure has. He's been really good this year. I said at the beginning of the year that I would not be surprised if Anthony Kay has some starts for the Mets this year. And I think we're getting pretty close to that level. Oh, yeah. Our it's coming. Depth. But they refuse to promote him for to AAA for some reason because the Mets are weird. Um, but, yeah, if we can replenish that farm, if if we have a good draft, that that's something to be said uh, for Brody Van Wagenen for his first, you know, his first draft. So that'd be cool if we had a good draft. That'd be a nice change of pace. <laughs> yeah. You know. um, something new. <laughs> a refreshing change of pace. Um, so the last bit of good news, and I'm going to delve into this a little more. I don't usually spoil my walk-off win in the first segment, but I will this time because I think we should mention it at the top of the show as well. Um, we did get some really, really good news, um, which is that Ron Darling has returned to the broadcast booth, which is awesome. Um, Yay, Ronnie. Yay, welcome back, Ron. Welcome back. Welcome back, Ron. He was cleared um, by his doctors. His cancer is enough under control such that um, he can return to work. So he is currently, as we record this on Tuesday night, June 4th, he is broadcasting the Mets-Giants game. And we are so thrilled to have him back. I'm going to talk more and about this. And he looks great. Wins, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's like same old Ronnie. Yeah. yeah. He seems to be in good spirits. And yeah, yeah just a really nice, I just a nice little treat to to get that time with him. I'm and just hearing him again. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, Ronnie's back. And oh, Pete, 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 Pete. <laughs> Did, did Pete just hit a dong did or Pete no? Do the thing? Yes, he did. He did, he did hit a dong. He did That's the thing. Yeah. He hit a dong. Oh, is it? This is his twentieth dong, right? It is. Yeah. Dang. Twenty dongs <laughs> for Pete. Twenty <laughs> dongs for Pete. Um, that sounds like an art house movie title. <laughs> <or something. laughs> Anyway. I would go see that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Group field trip. Twenty dongs for Pete. My new film debuting next fall at Sundance. <laughs> uh, Linda, as someone not currently watching, would you mind telling me was that a solo dong? Oh, it was solo. or a group yeah. dong <laughs> or a group dong? <laughs> no, it was a solo. <laughs> oh boy. You. Um, all right. On that note, on Sorry, that very this good note, to be a family show. I can never remember. <laughs> Content warning. Content warning. Don't listen this is with for children. Mature audiences only. We talk about big dogs. <laughs> we are show. definitely not allowed to listen. <laughs> <laughs> on that very excellent note, um, when we get back, um, we will talk about. Um, a topic that w- we have been wanting to talk about for a while, um, which is, you know, lack of options for baseball merch for women generally. So stay tuned for that. And we're back. Um, so this week we're going to talk about our experiences as female baseball fans attempting to buy merch. And it's, let me just tell you folks, for you folks who are not f- women, it's not great. <laughs> no. Spoiler alert. It's awful. Spoiler alert. It's not great. Um, Generally, there is like there is just less selection for women in general. Um, Like not all the player jerseys and jerseys are available in women's sizes. And the the quality of the products is not as good. It's just. Yeah, I've had like I loved my just going to date myself. I loved my Matt Harvey all-star jersey. Um, except that literally the 
all the graphics on it started to peel off because they were oh. iron-on graphics. Oof. It was it was not pretty. I also, before we get too deeper, too much deeper into this, I also want to make a point that like we are discussing our experiences as cis women, but also there are many trans women who have even more difficult times because of more complicated fit issues and that kind of thing. So like yes. there's, there's a whole lot of dimensions to this beyond just making more clothes. It's the, yeah. the variety having a whole mix of different brands and different styles. It, it's something that would, that would serve Sizes. everybody beyond just, yes. Yeah, sizing too, because the, as, and also as bad as selection is, for standard women's sizes, women's plus sizes is even worse. also even worse. Oh, yeah. It's just bad all the way down. Well, I knew, you know, we were going to talk about this. So I went on Fanatics just to see what they have. So I clicked on women jerseys and I get selection one out of 24. I go to men jerseys. I get selection one out of 117. So there you go. The men a have 117 different jerseys they can choose from and women have 24. And it's not like we're asking for much. No. Like I, all I have wanted for a very, very long time is a road gray jersey. Do you know how many women's road gray jerseys have been available in that time? None. Zero. No, I can't. I can, now you bring it up. I can honestly not. I can honestly remember never seeing any. Like nope. I don't even think I've seen the blue ones. Yeah, I don't think so. You no, know, I, I I have a blue alternate. I have a okay. Jamie Ray blue alternate, but it's from several years ago. So I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's still available. But that tends to be what they what they do is there'll be one or two styles of something, and they'll make it with one or two players, mm-hmm. and that's and that's yeah. it. Well, and that's that's it when it comes to like the sort of more traditional sporting attire. If you are going to a nightclub. The choices are endless. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Little fringy belly shirts and glitter up the wazoo. It is. Uh, yeah. There are choices there. Choices to be made. Yeah. Like well, if I, I can... want something that's pink and sparkly, that's mess. Oh, yeah. Oh, plenty. Plenty of stuff available for that. And like, I'm not dismissing pink and sparkly things. Like, I'm not saying get rid of that. Like. I'm not a pink person generally, but there are people that like pink, and I'm not going to begrudge them for that. Enjoy your pink and sparkly oh. thing. Uh-oh. What happened? Wilson Ramos dong. Oh, yeah. Hey, Wilson. <laughs> yeah, baby. And it was um, a group dong. <laughs> it was a group dong. <laughs> I'm calling it a group dong from now on. Yes, That's amazing. we group dong. <laughs> That's a what new patented dong? phrase of a pot of their own, group dong. There are solo dongs and there are group dongs. Group We're not dong. telling you how many the group is. It's just a group. A group <laughs> is more is, than one. That's all that counts. Important. A yeah. group is more than one. Yeah, I like I said, I'm not begrudging anybody that likes pink. Like, I'm not saying right. get rid of the pink stuff. Like, if you want to enjoy no. something pink and sparkly, that is well within your right. Please enjoy the hell out of it. I love and I regularly hair. do wear things that are pink and sparkly. Yeah. But the like, New York Mets are not pink. That is not their yeah. team color. I would like to yeah. also enjoy things that are orange and blue and the appropriate team colors. Yeah. I personally I would say even like my daughter who is two, that she has a wider variety of sports <laughs> clothes available to her than I do. Yeah, the kids stuff is actually pretty good. It's, yeah, I no, the kids the stuff kids is great. Stuff. And well, like, because even like if you wear pink. On first glance, you're not going to know what team that is because every team offers pink. But if I'm rocking the blue and orange, you know what team I'm repping. Like, Precisely. Yeah. And I know Alyssa Milano has her own, you know, clothing line for sports. But those aren't the jerseys. Like, they're nice, but they're also very expensive. That's what I was going to say. I was like, her stuff is really nice. I actually yeah. own one of her shirts. It's I do, too. A- and I actually, it's, like, very old, and it has bleach on it. Like, I got a bleach stain on it, but I refuse oh, no. to throw it out because I love it so much. The best sweatshirt I have is a New York Ranger sweatshirt from her. It is so comfy. It is so warm. And it's just the most perfect sweatshirt. And... You know, but it's not, it's gray. It's not the Rangers colors. Right. 
and the and her stuff's expensive even though it's it nice is. it's expensive but like and that's the thing is just like if they like they have a few clothing lines that are available for women that are nice but then the clothes are like twice as expensive as the men's stuff and it's like yeah why why is this necessary and the material is usually thinner too anyway well like i wouldn't <laughs> mind splurging and paying oh, no, nice. something yeah. similar to what men pay for like the authentic jerseys and obviously like by definition, you could not have a women's authentic jersey for other reasons that will be discussed in another episode. But um, but you could make something with a similar quality of stitching, a similar like the same materials instead of just the replicas, which honestly, even like the women's replicas are even cheaper than the men's replicas. Like exactly, they're a further downgrade, and there is no upgrade for women's sizes. Right. Nope. Like I have, the- I, I have two jerseys. I have two Mets jerseys. One of them is a an authentic jersey, a men's jersey that I just decided that I would, you know, tuck in because like I want it to last forever. It's a Jacob Degrom jersey. It's the home blue alternates because those are my favorite. And I just decided, you know what, I want the I want the legit stuff. And so I just, you know, it is what it is. Um, my other jersey. Address. A dress that I tuck in. Um, and you can belt it. Yeah, just belt it and, you know, that's a style. Um, my other jersey is a um, is a David Wright jersey and it's a replica and it's a youth. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's what we get told. I, buy a youth jersey. Yeah, I get told that a lot. And I got to tell you, it's not what women want to hear. No. Is nope. to wear children's I clothing. I Nope. Well, I never had a, the first jersey I ever bought that was mine and not a hand-me-down. Well, it was a Christmas gift. It was a Robin Ventura jersey, and I'm pretty sure it was youth. My mom bought it for me for Christmas, and I never got a jersey after that because I wanted a women's cut, and there weren't any. So the first jersey that I got that was in a women's size was David Wright in 2015. So you had a long period from Robin Ventura to David Wright before I got a jersey that was actually fitted for me. Like, maybe they were out there and I just wasn't looking. But, yeah, like, we have, we're allowed to buy stuff. You know, we're out there. We have jobs now. We can buy our own clothes. (laughs) We can even vote. I don't don't want to be a stereotype here. I love shopping. I love (laughs) to buy myself things. I want to buy myself Pretty Jacob de Grom clothes. And MLB is making it hard. I want them to just take my money. Yeah, I'm like, willing to give you money. Like, I don't understand why, like, even if you don't give a shit about women, don't you care about making money? Yeah, exactly. Like, here we are. But this is half your fan base. And here we are, three women them. begging you to let you take our money. Like, seriously? Yeah, because, like, I have two jerseys and neither of them actually fit me properly. Like, my Jake jersey is a dress. I just tuck it in. Like, it's fine. I wear it all the time. I still enjoy the hell out of it. But, like, it's a dress. My David Wright jersey is the proper length for me because it's a youth size. I am very lucky. Like, I can get away with youth clothes to a certain extent because I'm very short and relatively thin. I wouldn't say I'm, like, real thin, but I'm, like, relatively skinny and pretty short. So the youth clothes fit me lengthwise. They're actually better than even, like, some women's cuts for me because I'm really short. But youth jerseys are simply not made for human beings that have breasts. That's the, that's the best way I'm going to put it. It's like, that's where, that's where the David Wright jersey doesn't fit me properly is it's kind of tight across the chest. So oftentimes I either just like deal with it or I wear like a cami underneath and I just leave the jersey like unbuttoned. And is it so wrong to just want to dress like a woman? Like, you know, something that, you know, helps my form, like a little V-neck. Like, I don't want to look like a square wearing a men's jersey. Exactly. We want clothes that are designed for our bodies. Exactly. Yeah, it makes us feel good. Like, yeah, I'm looking good. I'm going to the stadium today, you know? So, like, so now I have, I was actually impressed. I saw Pete Alonzo tweet out that he had signed a deal with Fanatics and they had his jerseys. I'm like, oh, okay, let's see if they had women's. And they did! So I am now the proud owner of a Pete Alonzo jersey. That's fantastic. Hey, that's yeah. exciting. And I feel kind of bad because I'm kind of like cheating on my Jake jersey and David Wright jersey. It's weird not <laughs> having a different one. But, you know, how long did it take for them to have 
a Pete Alonso jersey. Like market your this also goes back to marketing your players better. It took precisely twenty dongs, Linda, worth it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long it took 20 dongs to have a Pete Alonso jersey available. And you know what also pissed me off was when they made the trade for Cano and Diaz, it was right on the Mets website. It said, welcome Cano and Diaz. Get your merchandise here. You click on it. There was not a single one in women's sizes. You had yep. to personalize the jersey. So I'm like, no, what you're saying is men welcome Cano and Diaz, <laughs> not women. You can only well, welcome Cano and Diaz if you're a man. They can yeah, do the custom anyway. Yeah. So throw it up on the website as as like a pre-designed offering. If nobody buys it, then just punch out a couple of of custom versions for the people that did and drop it. But like they don't even try. It's no. And also the customizable ones aren't returnable, which I found out the hard way when I customized a R.A. Dickey jersey for my brother. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Right, no, so it's... Like, when people say, what's the big deal? That is a big deal. You can't return it. Well, it yeah. just it also just feels like you're not... Putting in the, the effort. Yeah, and, they, and, it, and it feels like, you know, we're not really invited to the club. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. it's just like, we can show up, but we're not really on the guest list i mean it's the bring your kitties bring your wife right it's it's like the the women's stuff is seen as like a secondary like oh if you're bringing your girlfriend along she might want this like one t-shirt we have to throw on for the game like like they don't see us as like as serious baseball fans as men it's just simple like they don't see us they don't take us as seriously as they take men it's just I will say I think some of the um, feminine cap styles that they've come out with the last couple of years have been really cute. And I yeah, actually got myself. Um, I love them because it's so it's like a blue floral pattern, but it's blue, like blue and orange. And then the the Mets logo, the NY Mets logo is in orange. So it feels like a Mets cap and still has like a little bit of fashion-y appeal to it so i just yeah it's it's there it can be done is that 4047 those yeah i think so yes yeah i feel like they haven't always partnered with them it was always new era so maybe like their partnership with 47 brought in a more of a selection yeah i definitely think there's a little more variation um in the 47 lines because in part like but not because it's like the glitzy stuff it's it's a little kind of hipstery almost like you see more of the kind of the retro baseball tees in men's and women's sizes I, I feel like they they tend to shake things up a little more but without being like overly feminine yeah yeah, yeah. I I had an experience recently so like I was I, I went to um, Camden Yards uh, for a game last week and I wanted to buy an Orioles hat because I don't have an Orioles hat um, and buying hats is like really really difficult for me and this is like I would say tangentially related to this at least um because this is another thing that's like women want things designed for us like the problem with caps is like I have a very small head (laughs) much smaller I was even smaller than the average woman but much much smaller than the average man like even the smallest like hat size like fitted hat size that they offer in men's hats like that's too way too big for my head like a six seven a six and seven eighths or whatever the smallest hat size they generally yeah, offer is I've yeah. never worn a fitted hat in my life like that's no. way too big for me I have one fitted Mets cap guess what it's a youth <laughs> so like this is the problem is like I agree um with you Maggie I love those feminine like styles that they offer that 47 in particular offers and I did see those like at Camden Yards and Orioles hats and they were very cute I wanted a standard Orioles hat um because I knew that I was only gonna buy one Orioles hat and this was gonna be my Orioles hat forever and I wanted the very specific like tri-color like with the white panel on the front Orioles hat because I love that like I love it aesthetically and so um I like went and it's really really hard to find one that fits my head I need I need specifically to buy dad cap style for (laughs) for people who are not familiar with what dad cap means it's like it's the adjustable back but it's not 
the snap back. It's like the little buckle adjustable back. That is the only style of hat that fits my head. That's not that is that is all of the the styles of hat that I wear too. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> so I found like there were literally there you know like in every team store there's like a wall of hats right. There was one. <laughs> and you <laughs> found it. It was meant to be. It was. Yeah. Not your cab. There was one. I mean, there was actually there were actually two, but one of them was it was essentially the same hat, but one of them was New Era and one of them was 47. Like they both kind of made the same hat. There were they were slightly different. Like the 47 hat was like a little more like a little more retro-y, kind of like you said, Maggie, like a little more canvassy in style, like actually a true dad cap. Whereas the New Era was like looks very much the same as the standard fitted cap, but just the dad cap style. Um, I ended up going with the new era just because it looked better on my head, but that's like a different thing. But like, yeah, they they had one hat that was that I wanted. So it's, you know, it's difficult when you have like a tiny head, just like offer me more options. <laughs> offer more dad caps, more dad caps. I'm, I'm rallying for more dad caps. More caps of all varieties. And again, like this is something that benefits many, many people of mm-hmm. just having things in different sizes and shapes that yeah. should not be so much to ask for. It really should. We're out here begging for this. I'm sure there's plenty of others who, who are looking for something similar. Like this isn't an uncommon issue. No, it's not. Like this segment was, you know, suggested to us very early on when we first started doing the show and we were like oh if you guys ever want um a segment just let us know very early on when we started doing the show renee over at purple row we love her work check out renee's work on purple row yes especially ahead of the mets are about to play the rockies soon so if you're looking for like rockies content to get to know the rockies go over and read purple row our sister sb nation site renee's articles are fantastic um she recommended doing this segment really early on and i was like hell yeah like we definitely will do that because it's an issue for a lot of us (laughs) this is a widespread problem and i think she was looking for a purple kylan freeland jersey before the season started and she was having trouble finding finding one and i know freeland's you know been struggling this year but at the end of last year he got Cy Young votes like they should have had purple jerseys in right. Kyle Freeland like Kyle Freeland's not some like quad A player like no. Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Freeland is like a legit like everyday very famous like everyone knows who he is player yeah like I'm sure at the end of last year he was up there with Nolan Arenado and like you know the most popular Rockies yeah yeah Although um, those purple jerseys are pretty sweet, I, I love, love those yeah. purple jerseys. Yeah, I love the Rockies aesthetic. To wear purple, yes. <laughs> I would totally get an Arenado purple one. He's I would too. One of my favorite non-mats. I um, purple is my favorite color, so I do. I Mine do too. Share an affinity Same. with the Rockies for that reason. I remember because the Rockies, like the Rockies, are obviously a relatively recent expansion team, like within our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the Rockies like first became a team. I was like a kid, and I was like very. Pu- I was like a purple team, a purple team. Yes, that was me too. I'm like you never see purple teams. I always liked the Vikings as a kid too. Because so I'm like, oh my god, a purple team. My I little kid in me came out when I moved to Baltimore because I was like, the Ravens are purple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot the Ravens are purple. <laughs> the Ravens are purple, yeah. So they're slowly integrating more purple. The Jazz are purple in basketball. Yeah. So there's like one purple team at least in each sport, I think. Yeah, I think so. That's hockey. I don't know. I don't mm. think hockey. Yeah, I don't think hockey has one. Linda, you would know more than me, but. Yeah, I'm trying to go through now. Yeah, I don't remember seeing any purple. Well, hockey, get on that. They're expanding again. So <laughs> the expansion team, get on the purple. Make one of the expansion teams purple. Yeah. NHL, I'm looking at you. Yeah. Um. So when we get back, um, we will do the seventh inning stretch where we answer your emails. So stay tuned for that. And walk-off wins as we do every week. So when we get back, we will do that. Stay tuned. Okay, welcome back and welcome to the seventh inning stretch um, where we answer your emails. And we've gotten a few really, really good ones lately. Um, So 
Um, and all of them have been super complimentary, which has been like so like humbling to read all of your emails about how much you enjoy the show. It's it means a lot to us. Uh, so that's just a blanket statement. Thank you guys so much. Keep writing the show. It really means a lot to us when you guys say that you enjoy certain segments or certain topics and that you appreciate that we have these tough discussions because, you know, we think that it's hearing from you guys, hearing that validation from you guys really means a lot. Um, so we got an email from Nick Francona. You guys may be familiar with Nick Francona. Uh, <laughs> he is famous around the baseball world. Um, and he said that he really appreciated our handling of, you know, domestic violence and sexual assault um, that we've done uh, in recent weeks. Um, and he said those were f- far and away the best coverage I've seen on this topic in baseball, which that means a lot coming from someone who is, you know, as steeped in baseball stuff as Nick Francona. So thank you so much for that, Nick. Um, And he goes on to talk about, you know, how we spoke about the Dodgers during that episode um, and the incident that they had. And he went on to speak about how this was not the only incident that the Dodgers have had um, and how the Dodgers and Major League Baseball have been relatively poor at handling this and this all goes back to the fact that you know teams and major league baseball seem to bungle this up every single time their pr around all of this is a disaster they don't even go out of their way to say things like you know we take this seriously and <laughs> things like that they just straight up seem to not care or like rec- when they say this like they seem to fail to do things like speak about the target as a human being mm-hmm. and not like a, you know, a, a life mistake. obstacle to be overcome. Yep. Yeah, exactly. They like, they very much focus the narrative around the player and not around the victim. And that's unfortunate, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's always about like, oh, how can we, how can we, the team help our guy out is always seems to be the, the predominant concern and not the fact that, someone was you know hurt emotionally physically or both so yeah um we appreciate thank you nick you writing in nick your input is greatly appreciated um so thank you um so we also got an email from hametz (laughs) i'm sorry if i'm mispronouncing your name um hametz chang um on the, you know, the discussion we had surrounding Robinson Cano and the fact that, you know, players like Cano and Machado, Latin American players, get treated very differently in the media um, than white players do. Um, And he said that it was an illuminating discussion and he agreed that the biased coverage is problematic and he, um, you know, commended our guts in pointing that out. So we really, really appreciate that. Um, He goes on to specifically say, and I quote, as an Asian American Mets fan, I sometimes get frustrated by code words such as lazy, dog in it, bad influence, which are often imputed on minority ball players. They used to say the same slash different things about Jeremy Lin and Michael Chang. Sly, sneaky, fast, clever, deceptive. Monolithic blanket treatment of minority sports figures needs to be called out, and you at Apato are doing it. Um, so thank you so, so much for that. And your point about, you know, Asian American uh, and Asian people from not America um, are suffering from this as well. It's not just Latin American players that suffer from the use of coded language. It's baseball players that are non-white across all sorts of nationalities and colors. Um, You know, these like these words that they use to describe Asian players are, are like, you know, right on. He's completely spot on when he says that Asian players are often described as like sneaky and sly. Like that is just as coded as the lazy dog in it language. Yeah. And yeah, so it's just, you know, if people are subconsciously do it's like just think before you speak and choose your words carefully. Like the English language a... is so robust. Use your words carefully. Use it your takes words. a half a second to just think to yourself, the word that I'm thinking of is that one that tends to be tied to players that look a certain way. And if it is, is there any other way I can think of to express my feelings and also maybe are my feelings entirely unbiased like just just it sounds really complicated when you say it that way I realize I'm not selling (laughs) selling this process as seamless as I thought I was going to but it really can 
get seamless. You just have to think about it. You take a half a second. It, when you're writing a tweet, it is complete. can be done in the blink of an eye. Just yeah, you don't have to hit the send. time to think. Yeah, especially with tweets, like you don't have to hit send right away. Nobody knows. It doesn't say you know, like you're typing. You you can think before you tweet. It's very simple to do. I know a lot of people don't, which is obvious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very obvious when you open Twitter.com that many people yes. do not think before they tweet. Yes, but maybe you should just keep that in mind maybe before you, you hit that send button. Yeah, it's very easy to just take two minutes to step back, read what you wrote back to yourself, and think: Would I be saying, would I be saying this this way if this player were white? Would I be saying this this way if this was a man and not a woman? Would I be saying this this way if this was a cis person? Would I be saying, you know, like there's so Mm -hmm. many, like it's just very easy to use words that are not, you know, laced with, you know, alternative meaning. (laughs) Yeah. That are not heavy words. Like I said, the English language is like so, there's so many adjectives you can use and use them instead of just the same tired cliches that are always used to describe certain groups of people. Yep. Um, so thank you so much for that email. Um, finally, we have um, Pat Daly, um, who wrote in about, um, in response to our accessibility episode last week, um, he complimented the podcast and said that he's been a diehard Mets fan who was born in 86. Um, and so he's been listening to Howie and Gary since he was a kid, and he really enjoys our perspective on the podcast. So thank you so much for that, Pat. Um, he goes on to talk about um, his experience at City Field and how he gets to City Field about once a year or so. Um, but he says, I have to say, the volume at City Field is uncomfortable for me. And I should point out that I'm a musician who has toured and performed on huge stages with very loud speakers and amplification. To me, City Field speakers are way too loud, so much so that it's something that keeps me to, from going to the stadium sometimes. I enjoy the natural sounds of the game, the rise and fall of the crowd, the crack of the bat, and the chatter of the fans and players. With how loud City Field is, I'd really rather attend a collegiate game in my town than make a trip to have my ears blown off. And I'm a loyal fan who takes in every game I can, whether TV or on at bat audio. Um, and the best part of this email is that he signed it, best regards, Pat, parentheses, vomiting. <laughs> if so, you missed our last episode, that is a reference <laughs> to an injured list. Um, I love our for, listeners so um, much. And not just a random, not just a random glimpse into his life. <laughs> so thank you, Pat. That made us all laugh so much. Um, it really did. But yeah, he makes an excellent point. It's not just, you know, it's not just people who have like sensory problems or challenges. It's like, you know, it like the city field speakers are really loud. They really are. Yeah. And I think louder than other stadiums, not louder than every stadium, louder, than, louder than many. Um, and yeah, definitely louder than necessary. And that's why like when I, you know, when I've talked to them about possibly having a quiet section, um, I feel pretty confident in saying like other people will be interested in this. It's not about having a silent game experience, but it is about not having the music and sound effects be like ear splitting. Yeah, there's that middle ground. Maggie, maybe you can speak to this more than I can, but I know the one Sunday game I went to, they played more organ music instead of like the piped in music. So it seems like on Sundays, they know it's more of like a family atmosphere. Did you get that vibe too on Sundays or am I making that up? It's so it's hard for me now to kind of think about the comparison because I've gone to so many Sunday games and so few other games. So I'm kind of like struggling to quite draw the comparison. But I mean, definitely it's it's just always amazing when you take like two steps into the into the little passageways and all of a sudden like your ears are ringing yeah. from the, the amps going away. But definitely, I mean, I think if they can do more organ music, that's always a a good idea it's it's i think everyone likes that yeah it kind of makes it like kind of like old-timey like classic baseball brings you back 
But yeah. definitely, just like if part of the stadium had the volume turned down just a smidge. I know I'm old. I know I'm like <laughs> coming across. I'm just just a smidge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like sure. you're at an eleven. Turn it down to like an eight. <laughs> yeah, like I don't need to have my ears ringing after the game. That's not something I necessarily need. Um, so yeah, thank you all so much for writing in. Um, keep keep writing us emails. We really love getting them. Um, we do. Our- <laughs> yes, I love our listeners. They're like every email has made me either smile, laugh. Like they've all been amazing. So thank you. Your emails make our day, so please keep emailing us. Um, our email is own at gmail.com. Um, we do read all of them. Even if all of them don't end up on the show in some capacity or another, we do read them all. So thank you all so much for emailing us. Um, keep doing it, and we will keep doing these mailbag segments every once in a while. Um, so as we always do, um, we will wrap up the show with walk-off wins where we talk about what's making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Um, since I sort of previewed mine <laughs> at the top <laughs> of the show, I'll go first, um, which is, you know, my walk-off win is just Ron Darling being back in the booth again. Because when I saw that news, it made me so insanely happy. Not only because of all the reasons we mentioned, which is just, you know, hearing his voice again is just such a welcome thing. And obviously it means that he's doing well which is the most important thing in all of this um but you know you never realize like how like we take gary keith and ron for granted so much we really do Mm -hmm. and we have the best booth in baseball and it's part of what makes me watch games when the mets are not doing well it's a huge part of it because if we had a subpar broadcast booth that means i'm far less likely to turn and tune into the game when the mets are you know really scuffling or you know having a bad season um and you know they haven't the mets have had a pretty bad heartbreaking week last week it wasn't like they were getting mowed down every night at 11 to nothing or anything but there were some terrier heart out losses last week and you know it's it's a demoralizing time and but Ron being back made me so excited for tonight's game. Like, regardless, I was like, all of that was gone. I wasn't like, oh, got to watch the crappy Mets again. I was like, get to watch the Mets. Get to listen to Ron Darling. Get to watch the Mets. Like, that's a, it, it completely changes it. It completely changes how you view your team when you have a broadcast booth as great as ours. And we are highly, highly blessed every day. Yeah, it's like the earth that. is back on its axis. Like, I know. Like, the air. Everything's fine. Everything's back to normal. Like, I'm sure the Dodgers felt that way about Vin Scully. Like, it's like an old friend coming back. Yep. And, well, and, I, and I think um, also Ron's, like, I want to hear Ron when, when the bullpen blows it because he's got well, they great pitching insight. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, so didn't, I sure. didn't overlook that part. Yeah. But yeah, so, I agree. It's such an important thing that Ron brings to the table is this insight into pitching specifically. Well, I read his book, um, the game game seven, uh, I believe was the title of it. And it was so informative because he brings you into the mind of the pitcher and how it is a chess match between you and the batter because you're each trying to outthink the other. And it was, and he just laid it out so perfectly and, you know, he is very smart and he is, you know, he, he's been through it all. He's been through a World Series. And so he can and he was, you know, for him, game seven, he said, was always bittersweet because the team won despite him is, is how he feels. So he can take you to like even in the moments of triumph, how, you know, it can you, you can still have these feelings of regret. And, you know, even that's kind of, like, interesting, the perspective from the athlete and the mind of the athlete. So he I thought it was a great read. I haven't read his new one yet. but so And I think that also comes across in the broadcast, too. Definitely. I agree. I've missed his analysis a lot in yes. addition to just his voice. Um, so, Maggie, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so I wanted to give... Just a little shout out, very, very unrelated to anything baseball, um, but related to one of my co-hosts. So we were on vacation this week and we stayed in a little vacation house down in Richmond, Virginia. Um, And, you know, I mean, we had a lot of different family things to do, but 
right away on the very first day we were there, we discovered we were a 10 minute walk from a local library branch. Yes. They, (laughs) it was just, it was just the perfect little local library branch with a great kids section, a librarian. They knew both the kids by the end of our four day. We were, we had four full days there. And we went to the library three of those four days. Um, We were very popular. Um, But so I just wanted to specifically shout out the Hull Street branch of the Richmond Public Library System. They are, they're just total gems. And also just a reminder to anybody traveling, like, I, I think especially with kids, but in any situation is that like a library is such a great, place to swing by they usually like most cities will have multiple branches so there's probably one nearby and and there's just you can just hang out there you can you know read computer stuff like it just just find out where that library is just in case you end up needing it because it's just I don't know I would not want to do anything without a library nearby so yeah that's my that's my walk-off win thank you to our wonderful little guest librarians Yes, that makes me so happy. Shout out to... <laughs> I thought it would. <laughs> I love it so much. Shout out to all the librarians out there, including Linda. You guys are community heroes, and yes. you are great. Um, I well, have you. such fond memories of the my local library growing up because, um, you know, as as many kids growing up, like, I had two working parents, and so... You know, I after um, our our local library was like right across the street from my middle school. So every day after middle school from 3 p.m. when we got out of school until when my mom got out of work, I spent those hours at the library every day the whole school year. And so, you know, I, I, I owe a great deal of debt to the Berkeley Heights Public Library in Berkeley Heights, New Jersey, which is now moving somewhere else. And so that building is no longer the library. Yeah. And it's going to be very, very weird <laughs> to not oh. have the library where it was. That said, oh. it was, you know, it, like I owe a great deal of debt to the to the library. Like I feel like it did its own small part in raising me. So, you know. Yeah, the same with me. Like my, lo- my mom um, worked at our local library. So she would pick me and my sister up at school and then bring us back. So while she would work, we would hang out in the library. So I grew up in the library, too. I guess that's, you know, kind of what led me to my career path. But then they <laughs> tore the building down and that was it was like they tore down I my know. childhood. I was like, you can't do this. It's <laughs> killing me, man. It's killing oh, me. I feel your pain. I'm like, all oh, my memories are <laughs> gone. <laughs> I know, right? It's awful. But... <laughs> Anyway, this is the perfect segue to your walk-off win, Linda. So tell us about it. Right? It is. My walk-off win is librarian Emma, who took down James, the Jeopardy champ. Like, <laughs> Hell yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. I was like, of course, one, it was a librarian. Like, they had so many people on. Not a single one could take him down, and it took a librarian to do it. So way to go, Emma. And I like James, I will say. I, did, I like yeah, James. I do like him. And... I read an article saying he did give some of his winnings to the Las Vegas Public Library. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. awesome. I also especially love how he was beaten by yes. a big nerd being oh. a super big nerd and, and also a lady. she was on it, too. She won yes, again she today. She was killing it today. She got Final Jeopardy wrong. But, like, and I think he, I think he said he was counting on her to get Final Jeopardy wrong, which is why he didn't bet big. Yeah, because he couldn't. He didn't want to. If she got it right, he knew that she would bet such that if she got it right, he didn't he have a chance. Win. He didn't have so a chance. He had to bet. His only option was to bet on the assumption that she would get it wrong. Get it wrong. Yeah, and she didn't. So no, she didn't because she's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I was like, way to go, Emma. <laughs> like, and you know, it's kind of like even today, I got a question about a woman from Oklahoma. And she was looking for an obituary from February 1959. So I had to go through all, like, the 50s newspapers. So it's like you never know what you're going to get on a day-to-day basis. And you kind of have to know something about everything. Like, that's kind of in the job description. So I'm not surprised. Like, your your knowledge just is so vast on a day-to-day basis because you have to be prepared for everything. So, and I think she wrote her thesis, was it on Shakespeare? 
Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. So So she was really prepared for Final Jeopardy. Yeah, so it's like, no, she's not going down on this, James. So way to go, Emma, and way to go, librarians everywhere, and support local libraries. I had to get my PSA in there. A pot of their (laughs) own supports local libraries. Please support your local library. They're extremely important. And be kind to your poor librarians. (laughs) Yeah. We deal with a lot on a day-to-day basis. Um, on that note, um, using your library's computer, you can go to amazonavenue.com. <laughs> Good segue, Allison. Pat's self on back. Good Ask segue. your local librarian if you need some assistance with that. Yeah. They really love to help. Oh, we do. You can go to AmazingAvenue.com um, to read all of our fantastic content. Um, Steve Saipa and Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin are hard at work on their all their write-ups of all the Mets draft picks from the most recent draft. So there's lots of that. Um, there's also our very typical game recaps, morning news every day, um, analysis. So keep coming back to AmazingAvenue.com for all of that lovely Mets content. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow the show on Twitter um, at a pod of their own. You can email the show to be featured in one of our seventh inning stretch segments. Again, that email is own at gmail.com. Um, you can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Maggie? At Maggie162. And you, Linda? At Linda Sarovich. Follow all of us on Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter. Um, In the meantime, let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasts.